In the Lab, a Texans podcast that takes a different look at things. Drew Doherty and John Harris have their lab coats and goggles on and the Bunsen burners burning. Here's Drew. Yes, indeed, friends. It's In the Lab time. Coming at you a day later than normal just because, hey, the Texans played a day later than normal. They played on Monday Night Football. But I'm Drew Doherty. That's John Harris. John Great to talk with you, as always. Yeah, man, absolutely. It's good to be here. Monday night was wild, wacky, unbelievably emotional, intense. It was everything you wanted in a football game, except for, you know, all those words started with a W. Uh, I wish we could have ended it with a W. But listen, there's a lot to feel really good about with this football team, and we saw that, and hopefully... We'll see a W go on the board on Sunday against the Jacksonville Jaguars, division opponent at home. Can't lose those. We're not going to talk about the Saints game. We're not going to break that down. We're going to get ready for the Jags game. And a little later, we're going to have kind of a a special story time. But before we totally get into Jags prep, I just want to say, and I say this with love, and I've said this to your face before, Mm -hmm. so all you listeners out there, don't get offended or think there's a beefer of some sort, but my man, you are an absolute spaz on the sidelines yep. when great things happen. And it's like, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Because I come down from the press box for like the final five, six minutes of the game typically. Yeah. And I'm down there, and I'm typically, I've got my arms crossed. I'm like very serious, and I'm watching yes. things. And I, I, there's all sorts of emotions bubbling on the inside, but I, right. I keep a stone face, I'd like to say. You do. And Deshaun hits stills for that touchdown. Mm-hmm. And you were part of many just, I mean, you. I think you. Your vertical got. Would you, you could have probably dunked on a twelve foot goal. Probably on that one. Yeah, I was about 49, 49 and a half, Probably. <laughs> you look like a pogo stick. I was. I mean, I was. I, I'll be honest, with you, I was. I was amped up the whole game, on the first on the first touchdown, when Deshaun on that fourth and one, when Deshaun, I'm watching. They're in a gun. First of all, and I'm kind of like, what are you doing in the gun? They've been running the ball and hammering them. Like, what? And then. When I saw him pulling the zone read, I looked out there and I'm like, "There's nobody out there," and I had the mic by my face. It's a and I was gorgeous, like, gorgeous play. He hasn't even gotten past the line of scrimmage, and I'm like, I tell Mark, "It's a touchdown," <laughs> and it ended up being a touchdown. We got to the break, and he's like, "He's like, he called that one early." I was like, "Yes, yeah, sorry," I, you know. So I, I was, I was amped up, but there was something about—I don't know—there was something about that. That I mean, of course, you didn't see it coming because it was a two-play. 75-yard drive, but it was Kenny Stills, the newest acquisition. Mm-hmm. It was, oh, my God, there's a thought of winning. And I think that's the one thing. When you think maybe the team you know, has a chance the whole time, there came a point about six minutes, seven, like five, six minutes in the fourth quarter where it's like they're driving. Things did not look good. It, it, yeah, they the didn't Texans. look good. And so I just was like, dang it. And I was like, ah, man. And I'd sort of – in my mind, I started thinking about what will I ask the players, what would I ask OB about, and you start kind of planning for that. And then it was just, it, it, it flipped so fast. Mm-hmm. I mean, it literally, it flipped so fast because there was no time out between those two plays. It was throw the ball to hop, line back up, throw the ball stills, touchdown, oh my God, they got a lead. And it was like, it was pure pandemonium. And it was, the funny part about it was like, it was a bunch of scouts. It was James Lipford, director of college scouting. And I mean, I'm losing my mind. And all of a sudden, all of us just were like, wait, but you got to finish. And the one thing, and I told Mark this, there was one thing that, that, that troubled me more than anything. And you look up at the Superdome, and right underneath the logo for each side on the scoreboard, they had little white lights. And there was one white light 
underneath. Timeouts left. Timeouts left, and that was the one thing that that's the one thing that bothered me. If the Saints had not had any timeouts, I still would not have felt great about it. But you can scheme that up a little bit more. But with one timeout, I was really worried about what Drew could do, and he did it. But I'm telling you, what a hell of a football game! Mm. What an unbelievable really football game! Uh, I just I'd like to be on the other side of one, and we will be. We will be at, at some point. We got to get on the other side of this because we've had great ones at New England, Seattle, Philadelphia. We just got to pull one of these off on the road, which would be fantastic. All right, let's talk about the Jags. All right, but before we do, post game entertainment. Starts with Redbox. Redbox has the newest movies fresh from the theater, starting at just $1.75 a night. And for just $3 a night, try the hottest video games for PS4, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch. Go to the box at your favorite retailers or stream new movies instantly on demand. That's a key. Stream new movies instantly on demand. Redbox is the place. Get together with family, friends, the crew, or whoever, and make it a movie night. Make tonight a red box night. All right, Jaguars await. It's all about a rookie quarterback, John. I, I know we can say a lot of other things. We can talk about yeah. Leonard Fournette. We can talk about the defense. We can talk about protecting Deshaun Watson. Rattle the rookie, and you walk away with this one in your back pocket. Gardner Minshew, though, really not your typical rookie from what we've seen so far. It's very limited, two and a half quarters maybe. And this is a guy who was 22 of 25. He was very accurate with the ball. Wasn't going deep necessarily all the time, but right. still, 22 at 25, I don't care where you're throwing it. That's still pretty impressive. That's very impressive. You got a guy who played under Mike Leach. He's a heady guy. Mike Leach wants his quarterbacks to be accurate. He wants his quarterbacks to be leaders. He wants his quarterbacks to do good things with the ball, and that's a guy who checked off all those boxes last year at Eastern Washington. He's got a niche of followers in the media mm-hmm. that absolutely adore him. Put him on a pedestal. Yeah, because of the stash. Because of the, the mustache. And he's he's got a good personality. He's a fun guy. But this is a guy that Romeo and company, I think, can rattle, can get after, can do some things. And I really think that's just kind of the key to everything, John. I think what you said is perfect. I'm going to change the word can to need. Yeah. They need yeah. to be able to do that. I think I've thought about this a lot, just the, the psyche of a player. I think when you're a young player and you're not expected to start, the Jags paid all that money to Nick Foles. You're not going to unseat him. So you're probably not going to see the, the field. But you are one snap away, so you do have to be ready. Well, that one snap came. Ironically, it came on a Foles touchdown to DJ Chark down the sideline. Mm-hmm. But that's when it came for Gardner Minshew. When you get thrown into the fray like that, as both a player and a coach, as a player, you're just like, all right, I, I, I got to go. All right, I got to go. What am I going to do? I got to throw the open guy. I'm just going to throw the open guy. As a coach, you're going, okay, just give this guy something that he knows. You kind of, in your mind, you kind of pare it down. Like, okay, what do you like? Let's go with that. Let's repeat it. Let's see it again. And now the defense is kind of going, we know this guy, but how much do we know this guy? Once there's more film on him, obviously everybody says that. Once you get more film on a guy, you have an idea. But I think getting some pressure on him, showing him different looks – but for him, having to prepare a whole week as the guy, that's a different <clears throat> mindset. Man, I was going to say, what you just said there, It's you, you can. I wish you could see what I'm doing right now, but I got one hand up high and one hand down low. So he came in. He didn't have to worry about prepping. Nothing. Just kind of came just in play. and played some ball. So right. he was up there. And then on the other hand, you had that defense that hadn't seen any of him. Right. And that's down low. Well, those scales get a little bit more even. How even, right. we'll see. Right. But those, he comes down a little bit, like I've said, because it's one thing to just get in loose, but, man, you got to think all week long about it. You're right. hearing from all different, 
not just your teammates, you're hearing from family and friends about this, your agent, all that. I mean, it's a big opportunity for him. We'll see how he responds. You're exactly right. And I think that's the kind of thing that can build up in time. Now, when Sean Watson was afforded that opportunity, Mm -hmm. he basically had three days to get ready. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, go play. So that that sort of helped him, I guess. But Deshaun had been in huge situations throughout his career, high school, college, and then up to that point in the NFL. Mitch has been a guy that, and I think his story is pretty in, in, it's compelling. He was at East Carolina, did a good job, but he was going to go to Alabama to be a backup. That's mm-hmm. what he was going to do. He's going to stay in the South. He's going to go to Alabama to be a backup. And then Mike Leach called him last minute, like, hey, you want to be a backup? Come play for me. You compete for the starting job. He wins a starting job, has a great year, All-American, gets himself drafted. I mean, just incredible stuff. So from that perspective, he's a guy that I think you can rattle to a degree. Maybe you won't see him sweat. But maybe inside, it's just like, okay, maybe you're having an impact. So whether you can get to him, whether you can harass him, whether you can just show him different looks, your disguise has got to be on point. You've got to show him something that he has never seen before and see if that doesn't afford you the opportunity to get an interception or turnover or, boy, he has somebody open and he misses him because he's looking somewhere else. I mean, that's what you have to try and do with a guy like this. Got to do our cream of the crop. Oh, okay. The cream of the crop. So – this week's cream I of the crop. I want you to explain cream of the crop. I think people know, but I want you to explain it for the people. The cream of the crop. Who's the best? What's the best? Who was the, who was the cream of the crop? The best player that you saw on Monday Night Football. So, I mean, it's pretty. It's going to be pretty clear most weeks. You know, I think oh, it's. Thank you. And there's we each have one, so I think it's going to be pretty clear. Like we can each choose one. Mm-hmm. I'll choose one. You can choose the other. I'm going to go with one, and I think it'll be automatic who you choose, and vice versa. If you were to start, mm-hmm. you know, if you choose one, I know who I'm going to choose on the other one. So I'll make things easy. I'll go first. DeAndre Hopkins, cream of the crop. The cream of the crop. Had a few drops, but you know what? He had a couple touchdowns, and he had that monster, monster catch right before the Stills touchdown. Not to mention he pulled in some other big first down grabs that helped keep that crowd, which I'll go on record. It's the loudest crowd I've ever been a amazing. part of and heard. Holy cow. I mean, just chest rattling. I went home at, that night. I had a headache, and I wasn't sick. I didn't – it wasn't like I was dehydrated. I'd eaten, you know, and everything. I had a headache that night, and I think it was from the crowd noise. But I'm going to go with DeAndre Hopkins. He okay. finished with eight catches, 111 yards, two touchdowns. DeAndre Hopkins is a Martian. He's not an earthling. He's a Martian. He's not a normal human being. He played tremendously. You know the thing about the the drops. Uh, I don't. I mean, they those are those are nearly impossible catches for the mortal human. Yeah. But for a Martian who normally catches those, it's kind of kind of jarring. But I think because of the game that Hop plays, it takes a little while. He didn't play much in the preseason, mm-hmm. so it takes him a little while. I think to get kind of back to all right, body control. Like, where's my body need to be? Where my hands got to be? All that kind of stuff. Hop's route against Lattimore for the first touchdown <laughs> is brilliant. It's brilliant. It's actually not – it's almost not even a route. He's standing he, – he, Lattimore is face up on him, and Hop literally walks at him. And then Lattimore kind of freezes for a split second like, well, what's he doing? And then he goes right to the goalpost mm-hmm. and has him beat. And I've seen him use that move before, and I'm like, that was brilliant. It's really, really good. So that that happened. And I think uh, DeAndre Hopkins is a good one. I mean, if I don't say Deshaun Watson, yeah. 
I mean, I, I put I, it on a tee for you. I dude. picked off the podcast. I put it on a tee for you. I, I thought you would take I Watson and to, make it tough for me because I was going to say I Hopkins, choose him. All, right. <clears throat> I choose him all the time, so I didn't. It's almost as if when you say Hopkins, you say Watson. Watson's got to be with Hopkins, so it's all, you can almost take both of them. Which, if you want to leave a third one for me and make it more difficult for me, you can if you choose. Nah, let's just do it. Okay, let's let's give this guy Look, some more praise. I you like talk it. about being from a different planet. My gosh, this this guy. I mean, he fell on his tushy and hurt the the a little bit above his butt on when he when he went in the end zone. Fits his tailbone? Is it his tailbone? I think? don't know if it was tailbone, but I don't know his backside. I I kind of felt like it was like right above his his. Uh, well, his what cheek is that they call it? Quick mini story time. Sorry, eighty six, eighty seven ish. I'm about to go to Fame City. You know, out there yeah, on the west Fame side. City, yeah, became Funplex. Yeah, I was standing on a chair trying to get a board game down before I left because we were going to play some board game with my friends. I stood in the wrong part of the chair and it like swung up on one end and like bruised my tailbone. Yeah. That hurt, and then we went, and that really hurt. Like I was crying. Oh, I, was yeah. a little, I was like ten years old. It, it hurt enough to cry. And then we went to Fame City, and we played bumper cars. Mm-hmm. That hurt. Don't go. Don't do bumper cars when you have a bruised tailbone. Oh my god. Okay, so go ahead. Sorry. Well, playing quarterback with a bruised, yeah, butt, hip, thigh, whatever it was. I thought one of my favorite plays of the whole night. It was on the third down. And he scrambled away from Alex Anzalone. <laughs> he was running, and he kind of had the ball back behind him. Like, yo, don't hit me. I'm going out of bounds. Like, you can't catch me. But I'm going out of bounds. You can't catch me. It was really. It was. He was not taunting him, but it was just. <laughs> It's just so funny to watch him. I mean, seriously, there's 50 seconds left in a game, no timeouts. And the the interesting thing about that, I think, is the fact that you they work that situation all the time. In training camp, almost every single day, it was that same situation, 50 seconds, no timeouts. Mm-hmm. And then they would change the score. Two point, you're down by two. Now you're down by four. So it would determine whether they were going for a touchdown or not. So they've worked that situation. I don't think it ever came to where they went two plays. And they went two plays, bang, bang. And mm-hmm. it was brilliant protection. It was everything that you wanted to have uh, and uh, on two plays. It just It happened a, l- a little earlier than anybody expected. But And I've heard people say, they scored too early. Nah, There's no such thing. No. There's never, never no. such thing because as scoring the, too Because you might not have had another chance. Exactly. I mean, and you've got to take the chance when you can to get points. Exactly. Mundo. So I will take Deshaun Watson. My honorable mention would have been, uh, Whitney Merciless. Yeah, he'd, he'd been a good one. Heck of a game. But those Play, two. Played the run pretty well. Sack, pick. I thought he did a pretty good job. So but I would Watson say those and Hopkins, guys. those are the two cream of the crops. Okay, uh, today is September 11th, and you and I are kind of longer in the tooth than many. Yeah. yeah. We're a little older. Um, so just wanted to thank all of those first responders. I got to do, I got to MC an event today here in the stadium. The Houston Texans were honoring uh, probably about 50 police officers, firefighters. It was really cool. It, it, was, it was really a fun crowd. It was a good crowd to talk to. Yeah. Like, just ba- basically because they laughed at some of my stupid jokes. Of course. Because most crowds don't, so I felt good in front of these guys. And mm-hmm. There were some uh, ambassadors with us. It was Andy Kalu, Mike Quinn, Cecil Shorts, Fred Weary. Cool hearing from those dudes. So, yeah. thanks to all of them. Uh, where were you 9-11? Take uh, us back. How old were you? What were you doing? What was, what was going on? I was 29 years old. I just moved to North Carolina. You're 29 and I had gotten into the accounting world thinking that was going to be my occupation for the rest of my life. And I had been working at Ernst Young for all of five days. And wow, I was I was days. on a sign. So people in the accounting world and the auditing world know what that means. I, I was not placed on a job yet because I, I was new to North Carolina. I was new to Ernst Young. Like, nobody knew who I was. 
So I didn't get assigned on jobs, and it's just kind of a old buddy system, basically. And so I was in the office, and I was unassigned. So I literally was writing college football articles because I was I was bored. And I started hearing commotion about 9.30, 10 o'clock. I'm on the East Coast. So it was about 9.15, 9.30 when I started hearing that commotion. And I was, was like, Whoa, what's going on? I started hearing something about Tower or something, but I didn't really know I got to the TV. And then I was like, oh, my God. And I got home, and my wife said, her brother, my brother-in-law, Ben, had flown to Boston from Charlotte. And they flew over, or he was in the process of flying to Boston. That's where the planes uh, originated. He was flying over New York to get to Boston. And this was kind of before the FAA kind of knew what to say to planes. So the pilot is telling them everything that's happened. Oh, wow. As they're flying over New York. And it was a beautiful day, so you could see everything mm. going on. And they got to Boston. They immediately got a rental car. And because they had gotten there so early, they were able to get one at airports. You couldn't get them, apparently. Got a rental car, drove through New York to pick up one of their colleagues. Mm. And they put, picked him up on the other side of the Brooklyn Bridge, I believe. And he was he was covered. He was just covered in ash and soot and just shaken up like you wouldn't believe. And, and obviously he was the one of the lucky ones to get out of there. But um, it's just unbelievable day. And to... The number of stories that I've read today online about people that went back in the building to get their people out. I read about a security um, a security guard at Morgan Stanley who went in and got all everybody out of the North Tower, I think, the one that fell second. He went out and got people out of there, and he got everybody out, and then he went back in to get more people, and then that's when that mm. tower collapsed. So it, was, it, it was just – I mean, it's amazing, not in a great way to talk about it, you know, but I just remember that story of my brother-in-law, and I just kind of put everything in perspective. And you know, football ended up being a kind of a, a good healing salve, so to speak, for people to kind of take their minds off of what was going on. But uh, that was that was a tough that was a tough time. And to be an adult with little kids, like man, what kind of world are we growing up? Are, are these kids going? Are my kids going to grow up in? You know, what's yeah. it going to be like? It was kind of a tough realization that day of like, wow. What's this? Is more of this going to happen? Like, where's going to happen? And then, obviously, security changed about airports and all these other places. So, um, a very unique time. And obviously, nine eleven was a really tough day eighteen years ago. Yeah. How about you? I was in Dallas, man. I I graduated college about a year before, and I was a producer at a place called TXCN, Texas oh, yeah. Cable News. It's kind of like a CNN for Texas. I was in their sports department, and um, it was a Tuesday. It was a really nice day. It wasn't hot. Yeah. I think there had been like a cold front that had rolled through, so it was like clear. And I went and running with um, one of my coworkers. Yeah, he was a news anchor, a guy named Brian Gies, and saw you can see him on MLB TV a lot. He's yeah. in Cincinnati now, but I drove over to his house, pick him up. His wife had the TV on, and I guess one of the planes had just hit. Yeah, and a few years before, I had read a Tom Clancy novel. I can't remember which one it was, but there's a novel that uh, you know these terrorists on the the State of the Union night they fly one to the Capitol, and they basically like wipe out the government. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Except for Jack Ryan. So anyways, that's the first thing I thought. I was like, oh, well. Yeah. But first I thought, man, I, didn't, I wasn't really watching, so I was like, ah, it's just probably like a Cessna or whatever. Right, right. And then he's he was getting something, and he's coming out, and as we're like walking out the door, his wife says, oh, no, a second one hit. And I didn't know. Like, I just thought it was like two random little planes. Right. And uh, I was like, oh, well, that's, that's a coordinated terrorist attack. Right. So I spent the whole time driving a White Rock lake about five minutes away just talking about this novel because like we didn't have the radio on right get there we run about five six miles 
come home. We we're talking because uh, we didn't have the radio on, so we're just talking. The windows are down because you're sweaty and everything. I drop them off. Yeah. Uh, I get back on the freeway and I turn the radio on, and it was the country station, and the reporter was saying, "Oh my gosh, one of the towers just fell." And I thought, I was like, you know what? This guy probably needs to be fired. There's no way that the World Trade Center could have possibly fallen. I mean, right. this is very irresponsible. Right. I'm thinking like maybe a piece of window fell off. Right, 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 right. And I pull in my garage, and my roommate like opens the door, and this guy, so we're right out of college, and this guy didn't have like a regular job. Yeah. And I don't know what he was doing up. I was like, what is going on? And then I go upstairs and see it, and I was like, holy Oh, my gosh. Moly. Yeah, and then uh, you know, Ugh. later that day we went into work. We didn't really talk about sports that much for a while, but uh, certainly did not. Yeah, it was it was different. The world changed in so many ways. So yeah. Anyways, I saw some people on Twitter kind of recounting their versions of what they were doing, and yeah. you know they weren't there either. But it's just right. kind of interesting to hear it's where you were. It's it's our JFK never... assassination moment yeah. for our parents, for our grandparents. It's where were you when you heard about Pearl Harbor? Yep. So it's uh it's one of those days, one of those things to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. And it you know it's one of those days you you wish never happened obviously, but it's it just it was such an indication of like what our world would you know turn into. Mm-hmm. And you know the the battles that we had to fight, but our first responders just I mean the the, the photos that came from New York, mm. I mean just telling the story without words was just it was just incredible. It was absolutely incredible. So um, our our hats go off to all of those that have served to help make this country safe, to make that area safe, and to ensure that nothing like that happens again on our soil. Well said, John. Always good going in the lab with you. And thanks to those of you who listen today and listen again next time to In the Lab.